You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Hi Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> Julie and I do a countdown, and I was holding on my fingers and saying three, two, one, but you don't say the one because we're in the show business. And when I did the one, my middle finger was left up. And so it was very funny. <laughs> it was. It was so circa fifth grade. It I was. was like digging it. <laughs> I was a child. I'm such a child. You know I'm a child. So am I. So I appreciated it. But it Good. was just like a little chuckle. It's yes. <laughs> I did get you off guard because usually I'm the professional one and we have this roll up into the interims. Yeah, I think that was needed today. The professional one, rabbit yeah. ear quotes, excuse me. So I'm <laughs> I'm not the professional one. No, I'm the straight person in this operation. Not true. You're the comedic hijinks. Yeah, but you're also funny and I need material and someone to work with on a okay. comedic level. So you need you need me to pitch it up for you. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of being a child, I did go to the movies today prior to this podcast with Judy and a couple of our best friends, who is the couple who I officiated their wedding a few yeah. years ago. So it was cool. So we met up and watched the movie and had a good time. I had a big bucket of popcorn, shared that with Judy a little bit with the soda and then race down home here so that you and I could have our lovely, lovely time together to talk about anything and everything. Now, that being said, what I will tell you is that today, poor Joey is looking at the haggard yet shaved face of Chuck today, because even though I really did want to be Savannah, it would be the first time that Savannah had gone to the movies, had she dressed up, which is still a buckleless thing for me to do, but Judy wasn't feeling well, and we weren't sure if she was going to be able to make it, so I kind of kept skirting the time just to make sure she was ready and able to go, so I, I focused more on that than on the physical uh, getting ready and getting groomed, if you will, to be the lovely but talented Savannah. And you in drab is not haggard. <laughs> I and appreciate you know, that. I love a clean shave in you. That's true. So I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you saying that. I will also tell you at work on Friday, uh, one of my coworkers was like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? What? And I hadn't shaved like all oh, week. Rough. It was rough. It was not scraggly yet. It wasn't I wasn't looking like you know, Grizzly Adams. It had the chops, the gray. It had chops the chops. Yeah, the white. gray with all the white. And so she just looked at that and been like, whoa, she wasn't used to it either. So yes, here I am. Knowing it would have been kind of uh, hit and miss on whether I dressed today. I did shave yesterday. It, because- it's so sweet. Like you looked like a fresh little babe. Like you and I will FaceTime sometimes. So when mm-hmm. I see you all smooth, it's like, ah. Oh, I appreciate that. I do like it. I'm just lazy. Yeah, I'm just lazy. That's some Karen. That's, I know. <laughs> that's I mean, the thing I, I know, about the I male know. self. You need to also give a little bit of love. I do, but I'm just, for some reason, shaving every day is definitely not part of that self-care that I care about. So I'll just let it go. But the problem is you let go too long. It gets itchy. You have to scratch it. it. messes up the follicle growth coming in. 
So I do need to do it more often uh, just so I don't, you know, break out. Thing. And I like love you in all the ways. Okay. But I do know that as someone who is married to someone that does go through a rough, rough patches every now mm-hmm. and then it affects people's ability to want to rub their cheeks against it because there's <laughs> chafage. With shayfish, there could be just ugh, not wanting to be so close. So I'm just saying that. I, you know, and it's funny to say that because you just reminded me when I was a kid, when I was a young, young boy, my dad would come home from work and we would pop up on his lap in his big recliner. And I loved feeling the scruff against my skin. That in the smell of wood, because he was mm. a carpenter. So he'd come home and he'd have that earthy wood smell and you could just you take your hands and rub against the face and rub your face yeah. against his face it's just one of those memories that i love yeah to kind of relive so it's all about the grooming and it speaking is. of grooming yes yes what a lead-in thank you speaking of grooming that's what we're talking about today and we're not talking about hey you should shave those sideburns off or hey maybe you need a little more moisturizer in your routine this is actually um what is becoming by and large a new agenda for lack of a better word of grooming of lgbtq trans queer homosexual grooming the topic today and again i i found this topic not because i'm unaware of it but i keep getting emails from certain organizations trying to push uh, an agenda and a donation package of we need to stop these people at all costs we can't have you know, homosexuality and queerness and transness in our schools. And we can't allow teachers to talk about it, even if they're gay themselves, you know, can they even have a picture of their partner on their desk? And, but, you know, you can't have conversation about it. There's lots of bills flying around in different states talking about criminalizing care for trans youth, not surgery, not like saying, I'm going to allow you to have, you know, reassignment surgery, The physical, like if you are trans, we are not going to allow you to be treated for who you are. And that could be criminalized for both the parent and the doctor for actual jail time. As the listeners know, I don't like getting into politics, but I do want to have this discussion about grooming because there's some important things I think we need to come away from this conversation with. Because I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I never heard the word groomer aside from my Norelco. It was always about like what you wore and how you look, not what psychological damage you're bringing on to people. When I think of the word grooming beyond the practice of brushing and cleaning the coat of a horse, dog, or other animal, <laughs> dictionary, that was from the <clears throat> Oxford languages. Oh, very, very well the put. second definition is what triggers me around the word grooming, and that is the action by a pedophile of preparing a child for a meeting, especially via internet chat room, with the intention of committing a sexual offense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that, for me, is something that has attached itself to the word prior to us having an even more in-depth discussion about grooming and how it would serve our podcast today as a larger kind of LGBTQ issue on a totally different angle. Grooming is something that I have been very aware of in terms of sexual assault. It is something that is triggering. You know, the second definition has penetrated through my aura as something that is just unsafe. Right. Right. 
Then we move into this new age of being, of total inclusion, of visibility, of a giant wave of fear when it comes to heteronormative saying drag queens reading at a library, for example, well, I don't want my child there and we should pick it around because that is grooming. If you attend that drag queen story hour, which for me is something that is so magical and so loving and so deliciously diverse and magical that it is the equivalent of going to the magic kingdom for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in terms of my mindset around the good that comes from that. Right. Now, if there was a child that was at that story reading that said, wow, that even knew that this was a a man in a fabulous, you know, feminine display of expression could somehow say, wow, I could do that. And that's in them. And that's influence. That's in them. That has nothing to do with the fact that this drag queen was there, but that is the scary fear based stuff. That is, I think the crux for why these people want to limit the exposure it started with homosexuals back in the day and, and, and trying to rid the gay away and not so back in the day, because there's still those conversion camps that are exist. There must be, there's still religious people that are trying to pray the gay away. So that kind of grooming is something that I'm really looking forward to getting to learn more about and to talk about today. Yeah. You raised the perfect point. Now I'm going to just go to the Wikipedia. Only because I had done a lot of research and I was trying to find um, what grooming is, was defined as. Um, but then I wanted to narrow it down into like the LGBTQ uh, community scope. So, uh, and just to let you know, if you go to Wikipedia, everybody, you've noticed that there's a little footnotes to each of these passages. I would recommend you go look for those original definitions, where they got their source material. Do your own research. Don't just rely on what I'm going to read to you from Wikipedia, but rely on the fact that you can go to the source material for each of these things that's being spoken about in its original form or where they derived it from. Don't just assume that what I read you is truth and gospel. Oh, this was just an op-ed or if this was actual research done. Those are the things to find out. So according to Wikipedia, the title is LGBT. Grooming Conspiracy Theory. Since the early 2020s, conservatives and members of the far right, mostly in the United States, have falsely accused LGBT people, as well as their allies and progressives in general, of using LGBT positive education and campaigns for LGBT rights as a method of child grooming. These accusations of conspiracy theories are widely considered baseless, homophobic, and transphobic, And experts believe that they contribute to a moral panic. Now, this, Julie, is what you're speaking about, is that they've tried to take this pedophile word of grooming a child for isolating that child and get them into a sexual situation. They're using that stigma already attached to their own groomer and attaching it now to this as a wider spread note. So the second thing I'm going to read from that same article is the term groomer is derived from the practice of child grooming, but conservatives are using it to, quote, imply that the LGBTQ community, their allies and liberals, are using it to, quote, imply that the LGBTQ community, their allies and liberals, more generally are pedophiles or pedophile enablers, end quote. 
Research has shown that LGBT people do not molest children at higher rates than non-LGBT people. And again, uh, there are footnote one, two, three, four, and five on this. You can look for the original materials on it. So this scares me that people fall into this trap of hearing a word. And you and I both know very distinctly what happens when people have a stigma about a label. That's all they see. Whether it's like, oh, you're trans, ew, you're this. Oh, you're queer, Mm -hmm. ew, you're this. We both know that we have that problem with ourselves when we're self-describing. And now we are saying, ooh, you know what we could do? Whether because they're being malicious and absolutely being false about it, or they just believe in our heart, gay, trans, queer, non-binary people must all be pedophiles. That's why they're using the term. I, I, I don't get it, but. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we think to kind of where the start of this began, or if we think back to a time where we could trace back to something that is not so current, but current enough, Mm. um, I would use the example of the bathroom situation and the idea that a transgender individual or a crossdresser or a dual gender individual that needs to use the bathroom of their expressed gender or of their gender identity as they see it is a pervert, is a pedophile, is there to look under the stalls and do damage, you know, which is a very, very small percentage of what happens. If at all. Um, What we are talking about and the bathroom debate is folks just using the bathroom, Mm -hmm. just having to pee. You know, not even a human right, a body right, just something that all bodies do. They have to urinate and not feeling like there's a space where they could do that. They would not be accepted in the male bathroom presenting as female, nor the female bathroom. So I think when we look back to that as kind of being the start-ish of this kind of debate around grooming and ill intent when it comes to the protection of LGBTQIA folks, it's it's horrifying. Yes, it really is. Yeah, so I went to Charlotte, North Carolina for a writer's convention and I was dressed as Savannah and I went down because it was for Savannah. She was meeting with an agent, uh, going through the courses. And so this was her time to, to be in that world with the book she had already written. And I was staring at the bathrooms in the lobby area, like behind the lobby area, like where the conference rooms would be like kind of like scared to like, oh, did those pass those laws? Do I even know what the laws are? Because I didn't realize I was in North Carolina at that moment for some reason, because I just moved down here to South Carolina. It's like, oh, wait, I thought Charlotte was in South Carolina. (laughs) And it was, it's in North Carolina. So I'm like, oh, and I said, I have to hell with them. I'm just going to use it because there wasn't really anybody around at that time of the morning. So I didn't have a concern that there would be an outcry of me being there. But it was a concern as I like was stopped short looking at the men and women's room going, what do I do? So it was really the only time of moving down to South Carolina and having that concern, but it was a concern and it stopped me short for a second until I said, no, I am in this body. I'm in this presentation for me to show up in the men's room, I think would be ill-advised. And again, as you said, I was only there to go to pee and I was going to be in a stall and do my business, wash my hands and go. I'm not loitering in the bathroom, leering at other patrons coming through. Yeah, it's a sad thing. I've been labeled a pedophile by Judy's former friend who figured that that was just a disgusting person and wanted to label me as that. And then you have 
these bills. And now you have this thing where our entire intent as an LGBTQIA plus community is to groom our youth through, ironically, education, actual exposure to resources, and community. Somehow, the idea that we are trying to isolate individuals so that we can lure them into our our gayness and transness and queerness, even the groomer definition talks about isolating people, like getting them apart from the people they love and from their family, isolating them psychologically, physically, so that they rely on you only. Right. Like the teacher-student relationship. That I think is a slow and steady grooming process that deals with control and power and a child having these godlike fantasies of a teacher that chooses them Mm -hmm. as the number one student. That is an example of how to bring education into this whole conversation. If we want to talk about education, well, let's talk about the educators and that being a part of groomers in the historical sense. When we think about us as progressive mobs that are, you know, stealing the children's innocence through education and (laughs) updated historical bits and bobs about history as we are ignoring it, you know, it's taking books out because there's someone that has more diversity. Like Mm -hmm. we are Mm -hmm. here and there are mothers everywhere that have band together in these clubs of protecting our children against us. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that grooming? (laughs) Isn't everything you just said grooming, but we're going to groom you by isolating you from information that's out there. Seems like a form of grooming to me. Yeah. If I'm now to turn the tables and, you know, flip upside down and kind of see it as a really ironic situation, because yes, that's exactly what it is. It's like, who's doing the grooming? Yeah. I wrote down a bunch of stuff uh, prior to the episode today. And I said, well, what about culture? And again, I'm not saying in and of itself, these things I'm going to mention are bad or like you said, ill intended, but we grow up from birth culturally indoctrinated into our way of life. We have a religious upbringing. If your parents are Catholic, Lutheran, Jewish, Muslim, whatever, you are typically expected to grow in that faith. Right. You know, I grew up Lutheran. But I will tell you this, my parents were not really hardcore Lutherans, <laughs> not to say that any hardcore Lutheran is really hardcore, but for me, it was get up on Sunday, get dressed, put your clothes on, still got sleepers in your eyes, and mom would just drop us off at church, and we'd have to go in and sit through both the, the service and the Bible study Sunday school after or before. So isn't that a form of grooming? That's yeah, I, I, I struggle. I struggle with this. I mean, my daughter is at Sunday school right now. <gasps> Whoops. Yeah, she's sorry. Don't Jewish get me to offend. No, it, <laughs> it's something that I struggle with. And like, I, I don't know, it's a very like on paper, you know, shoving religion down people's throats. It really feels like when they grow up, they're going to run so far in the opposite direction, depending on how, how hard we shove it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a dicey situation. It really is. <laughs> I have no words around this, but. Oh, the irony. For me, I'm just like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but yes, as, as a parent, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah. Here and like I said, saying. yeah, it's just, there's an irony about who's in control of the, again, I'm not calling it grooming, but you raise your children in the way you see fit, right? You raise them in your religion. If it's important to you, you raise them in your culture. If it's important to you, you know, there are some other uh, European sex, Polish, German, Dutch, they all have a very strong baseline of like what they like to teach in terms of what's important to their cultural narrative and their history. But for me, eh, I was grew up on my, that wasn't really a big thing, but there was a couple of things that I was seeing every day. Bigotry. Our household was a white household and we lived outside Detroit. And if anybody of a minority persuasion decided to move into the area or even be in the area, there were words spoken about how Mm -hmm. that wasn't right. And I grew up with that as an indoctrination. So I grew up with bigotry. I grew up with non-segregated marriages not being cool. Like my dad, I went to the movies one time. Speaking of movies, I went to the movies one time with my father and a mixed race couple came out. I don't know if they were married. They were holding hands. And my dad had choice words. Not to them, but in my ears, I got to hear all about it. Domestic violence. How many of us as kids dealt with our parents arguing at each other and raised loud voices and shouts and obscenities and throwing things around the room. Those things we see and we are indoctrinated into as if it's normalcy. So the one thing I want to say, we're talking about wide scope grooming or indoctrination, but we're also talking about the things you see every day in your life growing up in your formative years also has a massive impact on how you see the world, the friends you choose early in life. I think that it's all really interesting. I think that the choices that your parents make when you are growing up set a certain tone for you as you age. And as you turn into a teenager and then a young adult and then into adulthood, that has the power to transform you in the sense of continuing on Mm. with the path as it was groomed into you or as you were groomed for. If you don't take the path that you were groomed for and you take that other path and that other path consists of reflecting on that grooming and working through that trauma, finding people that also were groomed in a similar way, mostly a religious lens. And there are groups for that, especially if you are part of the LGBTQ rainbow. You were taught very firmly, especially if there's any form of genderqueer sexual orientation closet cases in your family. There's a lot of generational shame and guilt and fear and just toxic behavior that you need to wean out of your body. You need to figure out not just how to find your tribe and your people and go against what you had been taught and groomed into, but there is a flushing out of your system. There is deep therapy work. There is trauma work. There's all that undoing and the opening of what you thought was true by parents that are God. When you're a kid, your parents are God. It is your role to please them. Anyways, it is a long journey to undo what our parents have put in front of us. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And hey, uh, personal anecdote, 
I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. I tell people that all the time. Everybody on this podcast knows it. I was not exposed to drag queen story hours. I what? Was, no, I wasn't. You're old. <laughs> I, wow, thanks. Um, no, just kidding. I wasn't either. Secret. Secret. I mean, I didn't see my first drag queen story hour until here in South Carolina four years ago. I did not have uh, LGBTQ-related education in my schools. Nope. I did not have resources. We did not have the internet. But yet, somehow, some way, I still ended up the way I am without any of those things grooming me. So how do you explain that, Julia Rubenstein? Well, you had the opposite. You had all the influences taught to you that this is not okay, that the neighbor boy wearing heels was not okay. Right, right. That this is what a man is. Let me show you what a man is. Let me show you. (laughs) (laughs) Rose, bro, what's up, bro? Um, Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's just really interesting because we view the Reds with the same fear, at least I do, with the same fear as they view things that I love and feel passionate about and and are fighting for. It's it's just like, who's wrong? Who's right? Well, they're wrong, obviously. And the reason why I know they're wrong is because what we try to do is inclusive. Whereas a lot of the things I see uh, being presented in bills, being presented as law, being presented as platform agendas is very exclusive, is keeping people out, um, oppressing certain individuals because their belief system is not the same as your belief system or how you see the world is not how they fit into it. I will say that about anybody, whether it be Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, Tea Party, Republican, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what the party is. If you were running on a platform of anything that is excluding our youth, which is oppressing our youth, which is oppressing people's rights to equality or healthcare or living or adopting or anything or their bodily autonomy, if there's anybody, no matter who they are, that's supporting the opposite of that, I am against that. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. So um, I think the most important thing for our listener base, it is the thing that we come back to is that most of us did not grow up in households or in cultures or in regions of the country that supported or groomed any of us to be in the LGBTQ community. None of it was available to us. None of it was pushed on us. Typically, as you said, Julie, it was probably most likely pushed against. The household was probably very anti-non-binary, anti-queer, anti-homosexual. So all those things were probably in place, but yet somehow we still came out living in a world where none of those things happened. So the fact that we are trying to gain equality, gain education, gain resource for people who we know are out there and want to keep them included it is not grooming, folks. It is strictly trying to educate. And again, if anybody is telling you that they're isolated or feeling like they're being treated in a way that is ill-advised and harmful, especially when the result is, I'm trying to get you away from the people that support and protect and love you, those are the people to worry about. Not people who are trying to open up the world in a way that brings communities together, brings understanding to bear, and 
wants you to be you, your whole you. Not because they're trying to make you that person, but because you are that person. Yeah. I think for me, I could only hope and pray that within every state, every district, every school that is really up in arms about making sure that the school is, quote, pure, free from any trans stuff, LGBTQIA stuff, this riddled with fear institution that keeps on growing. I really hope for all the kids, there's at least one person in their corner, Mm -hmm. one teacher, one mother, one friend, one, whoever it is, an auntie, several aunties, you know, especially the teachers. If there's one teacher that can say, you are amazing, you are beautiful, and what you think and what you feel is beautiful. This is really scary, but I see that there is someone looking out for these kids. Somebody has to look out for them. If this was something we could speak about openly, this would not be a problem where a teacher would have to pull aside a child one-on-one because that child is struggling and having a difficult time adjusting because they have so much angst in their heart about their own identity. It's not about trying to put that into an alcove to deal with it. It's really about if you let everybody know it and it's just a universal study, then there's no reason to worry about how teachers are interacting with your child. But then it still flies in the face of those parents who don't want their child to even hear about that for fear it might contaminate them, which I don't understand how this even has gotten this far. You cannot contaminate a child to become something they're not when it comes to their gender identity, sexual orientation, their gender expression. Those things don't just magically happen because a teacher said, ooh, you look great in a dress. No. It happens because you are allowed to be your best self, and that is what comes out of it when you have support. And that's what a lot of people are afraid of. Lots of people. Yeah. It's kind of sad. I mean, Julie and I are sitting here, we're pondering and sad a little about the state of things. The only thing we can do is hope that there are enough other people out there who see people in need of all ages and can either lend a hand, lend a resource, point them in a direction supply them shelter either temporarily or on a more permanent basis. It's going to take a lot of us in the community to do things beyond ourselves to help those individuals. But if you can donate to local causes that do that work, because that's not something you could really do on your own, there are resources out there. So if your ability to support is even monetary, that's a perfect place to be too. We don't want to get into people's affiliations politically, um, what bills you support, don't support. The Really, the key is understanding where the information is coming from. Do not let fear-mongering or these tactics of this word means this one thing, so we'll just apply it to this other group, and that way you're afraid, and therefore you'll support this bill because you don't want your children to be exposed to pedophiles. Mm. I get it, but be smart. Do your research. Don't just listen to rhetoric. You need to know where the information is coming from because, again, conspiracy theories are becoming more rampant, seemingly, than they ever have been since McCarthyism, Nazism, and the genocide in World War II. We're like acting like this is normal, that it's okay for LGBTQ plus books to be banned, that it's okay for the public libraries. You know, basically, we're back to book burning, that we can talk about minorities and queer culture as 
things that should be abolished and criminalized. Things have happened in American history that we should not be proud of. And I think maybe even the reason why critical race theory, certain peoples don't want in our schools is because it would shed a light on the similarities to what we're dealing with now. So aside from my little soapbox, I'll say just very, very important that we protect the youth of this country and the young adults of this country and anybody who is finally coming out to themselves as in their truth. Those people need to be understood. They need to be protected and loved with compassion and empathy and not made to be considered marginalized or othered. Here, here. Yeah. I know that we have given everyone a lot to think about, a lot to process. I know for us, talking about a subject like this is, like for so many, deeply personal and really concerning when we think about bettering the world for our children and for our children's children. Having hope is also really important. But like Savannah said, you know, joining groups, doing the research, figuring out how you can help is extremely important when it comes to turning this around a little bit or doing something where you feel like you're not powerless against it. You feel like you are making a change, that you are doing something about it rather than sitting back and being like, yeah, you know, that's really terrible, really terrible. I know that the two of us are both aware of and involved with PFLAG. And that is another great organization that I encourage everyone to look into and see how you could be a part of the mission to make this world a safer place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know that it is one of the more important ones that we have on our docket. I think as difficult as it is to talk about, we set an intention when we started this podcast and we made a promise to all of you that we would do the work, that Mm -hmm. we would go there, that we wouldn't just, you know, skirt around fun and decadent topics, but that we'd sprinkle them in among topics that are harder, topics that make you think, that can make you a better person, help you examine your cross-dressing experience in all the ways, knowing that there are people out there that want to hurt our children and want to hurt us and are against how we live and how we love is just the realities. So bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. The Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor. Copyright 2022. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends. Tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening. Give it a five-star rating or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.